0: Hey guys, so obviously today I'm not in the studio uh, due to everything going on with uh, uh, coronavirus. I'm working out of my home right now, and so the next couple videos uh, we will be probably doing here um, out of my home office. And so um, as we're doing that, um, I have children, and so you're probably going to hear them here and there in the background uh, laughing and running around, and and um, i I talked to them and tried to tell them that uh, we need to try to be a little bit quiet while I'm doing the video, but they're five and three years old. And so, um, it's hard telling how well that's going to go. Um, and so, yeah, you might hear that. You might hear my dog barking in the background. and, And so that's just, uh, kind of the result of, of, uh, what we have to, you know, we have to do this right now, um, because of the times we're in and because of what's going on and and so, yeah, we want to encourage you guys, um, those of you who might be struggling right now with with things going on with the virus, whether it's financially or, or a lot of people, I think, are just probably struggling more on an emotional level, just with fear um, and anxiety about this. And so we just, yeah, really quick before we jump into the topic we want to cover, just want to encourage you guys to grab hold of the promises of God, grab hold of things he promises in his word and find Comfort and strengthen that because he's, he's the only rock. Jesus is the only rock you can stand on when everything else moves, when everything else is shaking and um, everything, you know, literally the whole world is, is in, in a sense being moved right now. And so Jesus is the only thing to stand on. I I believe he's the only solid rock. And so grab hold of the promises of God that are true for us in Christ. Um, There's uh, something going around right now with, within, uh, WMSCOG members, where they're making the claim that Passover is the only way to be protected; it's the only salvation from the coronavirus. Um, that's not true. Uh, scriptures do not connect our physical protection to the Passover. Um, yes, the the Israelites in the story of the Exodus, there was that that time when you know God told them to put the the blood on the doorposts and, and that would protect them. Um, for believers today, that's not applicable. We don't. We don't find in the Psalms, you know, the Psalms, David will talk about finding salvation in the Lord and, and the Lord is a stronghold and he finds refuge in God and God is his peace, things like that. And we don't see David connecting that to his keeping of the Passover. David doesn't say things like, like I'm, I find safety and peace and rest in God because I'm keeping your Passover ordinance or anything like that. We find peace and safety in God through, uh, I believe, even on, on a personal level, through faith in Jesus. We, we look and we see his promises to us. Uh, for example, he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And we grab onto that by faith and we believe it. We believe it for ourselves and say, this is true for me. And so when everything else is moving in our lives and things are shaking and things are causing us fear and anxiety, we grab onto God's promises And we say, this is, this is what is true about me. I'm not going to look at everything else that I see and base reality on what I see and what I'm feeling right now, the fear and the anxiety that I'm feeling. Rather, I'm going to base reality on what God says, on what God says is true. God says in Psalm 23, he is my shepherd. And he says, I shall not want. And then he says, even, you know, David says, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And so God doesn't promise to that we're, never going to see valleys of the shadow of death. He doesn't promise that we're going to always have perfect health, perfect wealth, perfect well-being, and nothing's ever going to touch us if if we're doing the right things. He never promises that. In fact, if you look at the apostles, you see that they all died for their faith. You know, they died for their faith. They suffered for their faith. Um, they were afflicted. And uh, I think if we're following Jesus, we're going to encounter trials and suffering too. God doesn't say he's going to protect us entirely from those things. And uh, there's, there's fully devoted Christians, fully devoted uh, followers of Jesus who have gotten cancer and and, and died from it. And so um, it doesn't mean that they weren't in a right relationship with God. It just means that God is sovereign and he's sovereign over that. And he, we're in a fallen and a broken world. And so um, even as we follow Jesus, we might encounter difficult trying things. And so what God promises to us, I believe, is not constant Perfect health and wealth and well being physically, but he promises that we can have rest for our souls. What God promises, what God offers to us is a, a never ending rest for our souls, peace with Him, so that even when we're in the midst of storms, when we're in the midst of trials, He says, You can have peace. And Paul talks about this in Philippians where he says, um, he's, Paul says, I learned the secret of, of contentment and finding peace and contentment in Jesus. He says when facing need or when having plenty, he learned the secret that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. And so I believe that we can find strength and comfort and peace in Christ. Not peace knowing that if we keep the Passover, he's going to protect us from the disease, but peace in knowing that if the worst of the worst happens, if I get, if, if one of us gets coronavirus, uh, we can have peace. We can have peace in knowing I have peace with God because of Jesus, what He's done for me, because I have peace with God. Romans five one. Therefore, since we're justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, I'm encouraging you guys who may, might be struggling with fear and anxiety right now to grab hold of His promises. If you're struggling with emotional fear and anxiety, grab hold of the, the promises where He says, "I will never leave your, you or forsake you. I'm with you. Um, I am your like in Isaiah. I'm your God. I will strengthen you." There's so many good um, promises that. Um, you know, I, I'm even going to make a note right now. I'll put in a, a couple in the description um, of this that you guys can can look at. A couple scriptures that I think just hold really powerful and, and encouraging promises um, that you can um, look at and read, and then grab hold of by faith for yourself. So um, even if you're struggling financially, you know, I think of um, a lot of people, they're struggling financially right now. And so I think of Matthew 6, where where he says, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. But he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And so even in the midst of suffering, physical or financial need, we can we can know that we have a father who knows what we need and he loves us. And he's, he's going to provide for us. And ultimately, even when we face need, like, like the apostles did, like Paul did, we can know that in the midst of that, Jesus is our rock. He's our peace. And he's with us. Um, and so I hope in some way that encourages some of you. Um, the second thing I want to mention really quick before we jump into the video um, I just wanted to thank those of you who jumped on and started supporting us on a monthly basis on Patreon, and so um, that is something that's available. Uh, if you go to Patreon.com/GreatLightStudios, um, that's uh, an avenue where people have jumped on on a monthly basis to support us financially. And so this time we're in is, uh, I know for so many people, like we just talked about, is very difficult financially. And so we want to put no obligation on anybody to. Support us, and so even for those of you who jumped on and started supporting us, we'd say get off and stop supporting us if in any way that's affecting you and your family or, or making it more difficult for you financially. Um, don't don't do that for our sake at this point. Um, we we do want to make that available and known to you guys as we continue to do uh, these videos and in this podcast and continue to provide these resources. We do want to make it known to those of you who want to be a part of supporting it that that's an option. You can, you can do that through patreon.com slash great life studios. You can go to great life studios, uh, support page. So there's ways to do that. And so we put that before you guys, again, not as an obligation that you, you, we want to pressure anybody into giving to us, but we believe that there's those of you who are being blessed by this, uh, ministry blessed by these videos. And you might just be thinking, man, I'd like to be a part of that. I'd like to support what they're doing and help them continue to do that. Um, and so, yeah, if you want to do that, we're just making you aware that you can do that. And so we put links to that. If you're on podcast or video, we'll put links to that in both to the, the Patreon page. That's, that's probably the easiest way to support us. And so, um, yeah, again, just we say thank you to those of you who have jumped on and started supporting us. Um, and, you know, even if it's some are on a smaller level, like a want, you can do as little as like a one or $2 level, people are doing that. And so that even that is, is, um, is huge. You know, it, it might not seem like a lot, but it adds up, um, when more and more people do that, even a $1 or $2 a month level, it will add up. And so, um, and so, yeah, we're just really thankful for those of you who have, have done that. Um, we've, we started out doing these videos. We just made a couple videos in the beginning about the WMS COG. and our plan was just to do a couple videos and then we thought we'd probably move on and start covering other groups. Um, like Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses or, or things like that. But what we've kind of realized along where we've been involved in, in making these videos and been involved in researching this group is that it seems like there's just kind of a hole as far as resources um, dealing with this group. It seems like um, this group isn't going away anytime soon, as far as I can tell. Um, uh, God can do a miracle and just make it stop immediately. I know that, but, um, uh, until then, it seems like there's a hole and there's a need for resources like these to continue. And so our plan right now, we, again, we just set up a podcast version of this so that you can, if you, if you're watching on, um, if you're watching the videos on our YouTube channel, you can, if you prefer, you can find our podcast. It's, uh, answering the WMS COG is, is what it's, it's called. And so you can find it on Spotify. You can find it on uh, Google podcast. Um, uh, I believe it's on iTunes and Apple podcasts and pretty much anywhere. The, the, the main places you would find a podcast, you can find it there. So if you just prefer to listen to audio as you're driving or, or working or whatever, you can do that. Um, but, but yeah, we feel like we, we, we are in a place right now. Anyways, where we're, we want to seek the Lord and we're asking to know what his will is, what direction he wants us to go with all these things. And right now we just feel like we're going to continue providing these resources, um, and, and keep doing this, uh, on somewhat of a long-term basis, um, until we, we see that there's maybe not, not so much of a need for it. And so as we're doing that, yeah, it's just great to have support. We would love to have, um, a little bit, you know, just, a. Just as an example of why we even put financial support in front of you guys, um, some have a, have accused us. Some members of the church. I mentioned. Uh, I mentioned that you can't support us, and the immediate reaction, which I knew was going to happen, I was just. It just felt like is is worth doing the video, anyways. The immediate reaction by some people was um, accusing us of. Oh look, they're just they're doing this for money. They're making these videos for money, which on the one hand is is pretty humorous. Um, because if you join the WMSCOG, you can't really be a member, or you can't really you're demoted. You can't really go up in the ranks unless you are giving financially, unless you're tithing, and more than that, according to the WMSCOG doctrine and the teachings of General Pastor, um, as far as I can tell and understand their teaching, tithing is a, is tied to salvation. It's tied to being forgiven for sins. It's it's completely tied to that. You can't have forgiveness without tithing. And so it's just, it was a little bit humorous that we were accused of doing this for money. When, when you see things like that in the WMS COG and, and the emphasis they put on tithing and um, um yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to become foolish in trying to defend my, defend ourselves. But I do, I just kind of want to be transparent with you guys about the money side. I just want to be honest and tell you where we're at with this, that it's obviously as we're doing these, these videos, we're doing them for, for, um, for free, you know, we're not making a ton of money. We are YouTube channels monetized so that we get, um, a little bit of money from youtube but it's not a, it's not a lot um i could even show you the you know the analytics if somebody wants to which I, again i would um i would assume as i'm talking about these things there will be comments accusing us again of the same thing but i'd tell you i could show you uh i could give you a screenshot of the analytics side of our page and show you that we make on average on our YouTube channel about anywhere from 30 to 47, $48 a month from YouTube. That's what we're making. And so, so the accusation that we're doing this for money is, um, when I hear that, it's, it kind of makes me chuckle. It kind of makes me laugh, um, because that's very far from the truth. Um, if, if we're doing this to make money, then we're doing a terrible job, (laughs) job at it, uh, because we're, we're not making a whole lot. Um, but obviously there are things that, you know, financial things as we're doing this that are, are needed. Um, and so supporting the podcast, supporting these videos. Um, and one thing, you know, like Jesse, um, has been in a lot of the videos, but Jesse has to have a full-time job, you know, he has to work to provide. So he doesn't have a whole lot of time to do these videos with us sometimes. And so we've talked about how we can, how we can work that out. And, and so one thing is, uh, that we bring the financial aspect of this before you guys, the reason we do that, um, is because, we we want to be able to do things like that to have people like jesse on um on a more regular basis um and so um we want to have more full-time support for these things so that we can get more videos out and we can we can um do more with them we can you know even just the equipment to be able to update the equipment and and figure out better ways to to do the interviews and things all that stuff that a lot of people don't think about when when you are watching a channel all that stuff is necessary and so so anyways that's enough of that i just i just Wanted to thank you guys who have supported us. And again, if, if you feel no leading or if you're being burdened, even those of you who've joined, I'd say again, cancel your, your, uh, your donations if it's affecting you at all in this time. Um, we're not, we're not concerned with that. We know the Lord's going to provide and he has provided. We in no way want to do this for money. We just want to offer, um, support and encouragement and, and resources, uh, for you guys. And, um, and if you want to be a part of that, if you want to join kind of what we think what uh, we say you're joining the Great Light Studios team. When you give on a financial basis, there are ways you can do that through platforms like Patreon. And so, again, links for that in the description. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention those things uh, before we get started. Um, so, we're getting so many emails um, that are encouraging. Um, and And one of the emails we're getting is from people that are leaving the group, but they're hung up. Again, we've been talking about Passover. That's one thing they're hung up on. But another thing people are commonly held up on and hung up on as they're trying to leave this group is the issue of Sunday service, Christmas, and Easter, and questions about whether or not they should do these things. Um, so before, before I do that, I just wanted to, to say kind of, again, I forgot to mention this, but kind of tying back to what I was just talking about, I just wanted to mention that the people that are coming out of this group, the emails we're getting, um, uh, the emails we're getting from people that are leaving this group, you guys, so many of you aren't seeing that. So many of you guys, I, I've kind of realized you're not aware of the people that are leaving. You're aware of the people on YouTube that are commenting and arguing, and and you're aware of the people that I think many of these people that are commenting and arguing are really, they're probably doubting. They're kind of, they're kind of searching this thing out a little bit, or I don't think a lot of them would be here. So a lot of them are probably just new members who are kind of fired up and they, they kind of are just looking for a fight. I can tell some of you are uh, that are arguing with us on YouTube. That's kind of where you're at. Um, you're a little bit more, probably newer to this group and you're kind of fiery and passionate about it right now. And so you just kind of want to, get in a fight with somebody about it and so i i understand even as a christian i've I've been there in the past in different forms where i just wanted to find somebody to argue with and prove that they're wrong and i'm right and and so but yeah so i think you guys on who are seeing the youtube comments you're seeing things like that uh but you're not seeing the emails we're getting of people who are leaving, because, and I think the reason for that is because those who are leaving aren't really wanting to be known. They're not. They're they're trying to hide. They're trying to keep their name um, on the down low. They they don't really want the group knowing or the or the members knowing for fear of persecution, for fear of whatever. Um, again, it goes back to the fear that that this group is just so uh, good at producing in people. It's just so based on fear, and so. There's so many people that are emailing us that are leaving, and to me that's just encouraging. And I wanted to share that with you guys. That um, I just got a, a message this morning actually from somebody, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mention names, but somebody who's left this group, and they're just asking questions now. They're trying to figure this all out and what to do with God, what to do with uh, the Bible and different teachings. And you know, there's a guy even on uh, um, the the channel. There's there's somebody who you know I've been. I would debate with back and forth a member of the church who ended up leaving the the group. And so stories like that, I think are just, they so encourage us to continue doing what we're doing and hopefully they're encouraging to you guys. But I know that so many of you aren't aware that there's actually people leaving because the people that are leaving aren't wanting that necessarily to be made public. They're coming to us in emails rather than approaching us on YouTube comments and in that public uh, platform but in the private, in the, in the, the background, um, the things that you guys aren't seeing is that there are members leaving. Um, and so that's encouraging. I just wanted you to, to know that. Um, and, and so with that, the email, one of the emails, common emails I'm getting is from people wanting to know about Sunday. They're wanting to know about Christmas and Easter. Um, and so that's kind of what I wanted to, to talk about in this video, uh, that's kind of the second, I guess, topic I wanted to, to jump into, the main thing I wanted to talk about. Um, and so this, 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 what I'm about to talk about, isn't uh, for those of you who are on YouTube and are just wanting to argue with us about Sunday. This, this is not meant to be an exhaustive response to the WMSCOG and their arguments and their teaching about Sunday, Christmas, and Easter. So what I mean by that is this isn't, the, the point of this video, uh, maybe we'll do this in a future video, but the point of this video is not to look at the arguments that the WMSCOG has about Sunday worship, about Easter and Christmas and all these things, and to deal with every one of those arguments and respond to those and, and prove them wrong or anything like that. That's not the point of this video. Maybe we'll do that in the future, but rather this is, what I wanna talk about here is just, it's meant as a simple encouragement for those of you who are, um, you're not trying to argue with us um, about these things, but you're sincerely asking us about them. You're, you're, you're sincerely confused. You're su- sincerely just wanting to know our views, our opinions, why we, why we, uh, what our views are on Sunday, Easter, and Christmas. And, um, you're wanting us to clarify our position and our stance. And, and, um, that's what we want to do. We want to clarify that. And we want to point you to some Bible passages that I think can help, you know, um, how to think about these things rightly. And so I just want to offer you guys a little bit of encouragement and kind of just my point of view, I guess, on these things. I want to offer the way I see them, the way I see Sunday uh, and Sabbath and in these things so that hopefully you can get a little bit of direction on, on where to go if you're confused about these things at this point, if you've left the group and you're kind of wondering, what do I do with, with, uh, these issues? So first, um, or I'm going to talk quickly about Sunday. Um, that's one question people are asking is, if they leave the group, do they need to attend church on Sunday? Do they do they need to worship on Sunday? And also like what churches to attend and, and all these questions that are um, are arising from people. Um, so let me read this, this quote really quick. Um, I'm just going to kind of talk about Sunday really quick, kind of my views on it, <clears throat> and maybe this will give you some encouragement and direction. So this is a quote from, um, it's, I think, gotquestions.org, where it, it it kind of is answering the question and talking about Sunday worship and why Christians worship on Sunday. So um, it says, Christians worship on Sundays in celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is very important to remember, though, Sunday worship is not commanded in the Bible, and Sunday has not replaced Saturday and become the Christian Sabbath. So let me stop right there real quick. So I think a common misconception among members, um, is that you think we're saying that you have to worship on Sunday, Sunday is the new Sabbath, Sabbath has been abolished. And now Sunday is the new day. This is the new holy day, the set apart day that we must observe Sabbath on. That's a misconception that that's you not understanding what we really believe in our teaching, um, I do not believe that Sunday has replaced Saturday as the new Sabbath, um, and I do not believe that Sunday is a commanded day that we have to observe Sabbath or 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 go worship or or uh, go to church on. That's 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 not uh, something that I personally believe. So let let me finish this quote. We're going to keep talking about this. Um, so um, while the New Testament describes Christians gathering and worshiping on Saturdays. It nowhere states that Sunday has replaced Saturday as the Sabbath. So again, I do not believe that Sunday has replaced Saturday. I, I'm fully aware that in in the Old Testament, God established Saturday as the day of rest. He set it apart as holy. I believe that that was uh, primarily given uh, Saturday uh, observance of Sabbath, I believe, was given to those under the, the Mosaic covenant, under the covenant of of that Moses gave on Mount Sinai um, or God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai. But I do not believe that that applies or is a command for Christians today under the new covenant. And so, again, we're going to continue to explain this. But I just want to clarify the misconception that I think that Sunday is now the new the new Sabbath, or that that's a commanded day, or that you must worship on on Sunday. I don't believe that. I uh, I, I think you can worship any day of the week. Um, so let me finish this quote. Um, so again, it nowhere states that Sunday has replaced Saturday as a Sabbath. The key point in all of this is that we are not to limit our worship to any particular day of the week. We are to rest in the Lord every day. We are to worship the Lord every day. So. That's from gotquestions.org, just a quick little comment I saw on Sunday that I thought was good and a little bit clarifying and and really kind of goes really well along with my views on this. And so, so, again, Sunday is not the new Sabbath. Christians celebrated or began to meet together into to to worship on Sundays because it was the day is the first day of the week that Jesus resurrected. And so they began to meet together on that day um, as just a way of remembering the resurrection that the resurrection was is kind of the key pivotal point of Christianity. It's what sets Christianity apart from other religions is the fact that Christ is not still dead in the grave, but he rose again. And so the 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 fact that believers began to, to meet together on Sundays, which I, um, I think there's good evidence for, um, that doesn't mean that they were replacing the Sabbath or that they were there's nowhere that it says that's the new Sabbath and, and now all the commandments concerning the Sabbath now apply to Sunday. That's not the point and that's not what we teach. that's not what we believe. Further than that, we don't believe that it's about it's necessarily about having to worship on a certain day. Um, Sabbath wasn't about going to church. Sabbath was never about you know going into the temple. It, it, you know the, originally Sabbath was was primarily about resting, resting from labor. And so I think in Christ, we, f- we see the fulfillment of that, which we'll talk about a little bit more in a minute. But uh, I believe there's evidence um, that the early church uh, began meeting on the first day of the week. So Acts 27, um, it says that on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. Um, so here's just an example where it says the believers met on the first day of the week, which would have been Sunday, um, and they came together to break bread. So they came together for fellowship and, and worship on the first day. Um, another one is 1 Corinthians 16, 2, where Paul tells the believers, he says, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving up, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So you see this emphasis put on the first day of the week. And, and I don't think the emphasis is being put there because Paul or, or the new Testament is trying to communicate that. Okay. Sunday is now the new Sabbath. Sunday is the new day of rest or anything like that. I think it, it was just becoming, uh, uh, the evidence, what it points to is, is just becoming the common day for the early church where they began meeting together, um, to worship. Um, and so I think there's a common, there's a misconception too. There's a common or a popular teaching in the WMSCOG that um, you know the early church kept keeping Sabbath and they met together and worshipped on Sabbath day or on Saturday up until you know whenever it was uh, 100, 200 AD, sometime when all that was was changed by the the councils and things like that. That's that's something we we might get into in another video. I don't want to dive into that here, but. <clears throat> I just quickly want to point out that in con- con- contradiction to that, I think what you're seeing here is actually this is pretty good evidence here in First Corinthians 16 and, and Acts 20 that the the early church is becoming common for them to be uh, meeting on the first day of the week, and I think you even see that in early church uh, writings and and uh, the the church fathers and, and things like that. And so. Um, so I'm, I'm just saying that to say that I think there's evidence that the early church met on, um, it was kind of a common practice that they had meet on Sunday, but that again does not imply that 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 meant, and nowhere is it stated either in the in the Bible that Sunday was replacing Saturday as a Sabbath or that Sunday was now being instituted as the mandatory uh, day of worship and you must now observe Sunday worship or you can't be saved or anything. like That wasn't the point. Um, again, I, w- I would point back to this quote um, that says, the key point in all of this is that we are not to limit our worship to any particular day of the week. We are to rest in the Lord every day. We are to worship the Lord every day. And so I think what we've been given in Jesus is freedom. Um, freedom involving uh, what, uh, or, or freedom um, having to do with the days we we must or must not worship on. And so um, we're not we're not under the the mosaic old covenant way of of uh, rules and regulations that would impose on us uh, a Sabbath observance, but we're under the the freedom of the new covenant that uh, gives us access to God directly um, um, through faith every day, every moment. So to kind of more solidify this and clarify this, and to answer your questions of Do you have to keep Sunday worship. Do you have to go to church on Sunday? So if you're leaving this group, if you left this group, I would, I do think it's important to be finding another body of believers. Um, I don't, you know, I think it's, uh, something that I don't want you to be confused with that. If you've left this group, now you got to find another organization. You know, you got to find the, 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 the right denomination or the right organization. I don't I don't think that's true. I don't think there's one right organization or there's one right denomination and the rest of them are wrong. This goes back to what we've talked about before with there's secondary issues and there's primary issues. And so there might be a thousand different Christian denominations that all believe in the, the core issues of who Jesus is as God, the, the nature of God as being one God, the, the the nature of the gospel as being something that's completely about Grace being dependent on on grace uh, through faith, um, they might agree on the the core issues of things like the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but then they might disagree with secondary issues like uh, uh, you know whether babies should be baptized or not or, or things like that. And so, I believe the secondary issues are things that I can I can disagree with somebody who might be in a different denomination or who might be in a different church. I can disagree with them on the secondary issues, and that doesn't mean that. One of us is going to hell and the other is is not because we disagree about, uh, you know, whether women should cover their heads in, in church or not. I don't think God's basing our salvation on whether we get every single detail right, because we're all uh, we're all sometimes see things a little bit differently and have different opinions. We're, we're all weak. You know, James says that um, we all stumble in many points. And so I think we all have different very variations um, or or a variety of things about uh, in our doctrine that that might differ with other people and that may or may not be right you know i've personally had to adjust different doctrinal stances i've i've once believed certain things uh you know even result uh or having to do with the uh, the second coming of jesus and, and uh the rapture whether G- jesus uh was going to um whether the rapture would happen before or after the tribulation things like that that people people might have certain views at the beginning of their relationship with God. They might adjust their views, but those are, again, I would put in the category of secondary issues where the fact that they can shift and change, it's not, it's not a something that is um, going to undermine their, their salvation or their standing with God. Um, And so again, I say, I say all that to say, that's kind of a, an offer, but I say all let's say, if you're leaving this group, and you want to be, uh, you're, you're asking about whether to join another group. I would just encourage you to say, you don't, it's not about finding the right denomination. The church of God is not a denomination. The true church of God is not an organization. It's not that one organization has it right. And everybody else has it wrong. When an organization is saying that, or a, a certain denomination is saying that, that they've got it right. and Everybody else is wrong. That's a red flag that that's a cult. That's, that's one of the most common cult, uh, uh statements that you'll ever find. Um, Within Christianity, there there might be some denominations that say that, but I would say if they are saying that, they're they're probably falling in line more with a cult than actually a Christian denomination. But within Christianity, um, evangelical Christianity, if you want to call it that, there might be varying degrees uh, of differences on uh, within different denominations. But no denomination is saying they're the right they're the right church, they're the only church, they're the only one who has it right, and everybody else is wrong. Um, You're going to have different variations of beliefs and and practices within different denominations, but as long as they hold true to the core beliefs and the doctrines, uh, the, the core things, you know, the gospel, Jesus, the nature of God, things like that, there is room, I believe, to have disagreements. And so... I don't think you're ever, you're never going to find the one organization, the one denomination that's got it all right, that has it all figured out. They, they've got all the answers and everybody else is wrong. And so this is the group to be a part of if you want to be saved. That's, that's the wrong way to look at it. Again, the church of God is not an organization or a denomination. The church of God is God's people. It's God's people scattered around the world in different denominations. It's anybody who has a living relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. They are a member of the body of Christ, they're a member of God's church. So, God's church is a people. It's not a building, it's not an organization, it's not a denomination. God's church, if you want to be a part of God's church, you need to join with God's people in being a disciple of Jesus. God's church is made up of the building blocks of people who are who are who have submitted their lives, who have repented, turned away from the world, and turned to Jesus by faith, um, and have entered into His kingdom by faith. And so, I would encourage you. I do think it's important if you've left the WMSCOG to. You know, I know there's a process too of of it's for some of you. You might have been in this group so long that it's not going to be a matter of you just jump right out and you jump into another church or organization. If you do that, I I think that's okay to do that. But I think too, just know that it, it's okay if you struggle with that. It's okay if you, you know, uh, if you're sitting in the pew listening and there's you know, if the WMSCOG doctrine I know is so ingrained in some of your minds that it's going to be hard to listen to a lot of what you're hearing maybe and. And so there's going to be a process of having to unlearn the things that you've learned of having to, um, be deprogrammed a little bit, I think from the WMS COG doctrine. And that's okay. That's going to be a process, but I do think it's important eventually to find other believers, find other people following Jesus, find other sincere, devoted followers of Jesus, and just be gathering with them, be meeting with them, um, uh, I think that's important to encourage your own faith and to be, you know, I think God's given it within the church, pastors and teachers and, and things like that so that that you can be equipped and you can be get set free from the wrong teachings uh, that you may have been subjected to. And that's true for all of us, whether you've come out of a cult or whether you've been raised in a, a certain denomination who's, who's, you know, really legalistic, who, who's just not really grace focused, you know, that we're all coming from different. Backgrounds and different uh, backgrounds that that all hold and contain wrong ways of thinking. So even me personally, like I've, I mentioned earlier, I've had to adjust my views. I've had to uh, I've had to lay aside certain ways of thinking that I might have held for a long time and realize, wait a minute, this isn't this isn't true. This isn't really who God is. This isn't really what the Bible teaches. And so that's not just something that you guys leaving the WMS COG are going to have to go through. That's something that everybody I think has to go through as we're, we're, we're learning that God is bigger than we think. And, and understanding him is, is I think not just a lifelong endeavor, but it's a eternity long, um, endeavor. We're, we're never going to get fully, um, fully comprehend, fully understand all of God, God and who he is, because that's just the nature I think of God. And so I think that means that we're all going to have to continue to adjust. And so it's okay that as you're leaving this group, you might have to adjust a little bit, you know, you might have to shift your thinking, things you are so dogmatic and you're so solid on, you're so convinced of like things like Sunday worship is evil and it's pagan and it's wrong. There's a good chance you're going to have to adjust that a little bit, you know, and as you're, I think an important and helpful part of that is that you're meeting with other believers, you're you're, you're putting yourself in a position to hear other teaching, um, and that's challenging those beliefs that shows you that there are actually alternative views. And, uh, and so I think God will bring you in a process of, of getting free from those things. But again, I think it is important to, you know, you don't have to worship on Sunday. There's groups, uh, even in, you know, within my, uh, community of different people that I, I fellowship with, you know, some meet on Sunday mornings, some meet on, Saturday evenings. Some some of our house churches meet on Wednesday evenings or Thursday evenings. Um, and so, again, this just goes back to the quote I read. This isn't about any particular day of the week. Um, I don't think God is so concerned with that as He is concerned with uh, where our hearts are at with Him. And, and and I think He's concerned that we are meeting with with other believers. I think He wants that because that's the a way He's provided for us to grow and to be taught and to be nourished spiritually. So Romans 14, I want to look at that, and this is going to clarify, I think, you know, those of you who are asking, should you worship on Sunday? Is it a sin to worship on Sunday? Or you might have left the group and now you're wondering, is it a sin to not worship on Sunday? All these questions, I think, that Romans 14 really addresses. So starting in verse 5, he says, One person regards a certain day above the others, while someone else considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes a special day does so to the Lord. He who eats does so to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. So here's Paul. Paul, what he's addressing is issues within the church that were going on where some people were, and most likely this was connected to Sabbath. Most likely, I, I think probably there's a good chance that there were some who were observing Sabbath on Saturday. Um, And they were judging others and somewhat condemning others and belittling them because others weren't observing uh, or setting apart Saturday as a special day to the Lord. What Paul is saying is that don't, why are you judging each other? He's saying, listen, there's some people that consider certain days as more holy and they want to set that apart as a special day to honor the Lord. And he says, but there's others who don't see it that way. They, they see maybe every day they, they want to set apart as a special day to the Lord. They don't see that one day is more holy than another day. Um, and Paul says, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Um, He says, the one who does, who thinks that Saturday is a special day that you need to observe, he says he does it. He can do that. He can do that to the Lord. You can be convinced maybe that Sabbath is a day you want to set apart and you want to observe it. And I would say, do that, do that as unto the Lord. If you feel that conviction, if you, if you want to continue to do that, that's okay. It's not something that Paul condemns. Um, And he says, if you don't, he says, if you don't feel that way, he says, each one should be convinced in his own mind. So if you don't observe it, he says, that person who doesn't he does it to the Lord. So in other words, when you observe or don't observe, the point that the key, the thing that really matters is what's going on in your heart. Are you not observing that day in a in a in a way that you're you're seeking to honor the Lord and or are you observing the day out of a, a a desire to honor the Lord? And so he goes on in verse 7, for none of us lives to himself alone and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this reason, Christ died and returned to life that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Why then do you judge your brother? So here we go. This is really gonna start answering our question about Sunday. He says, why do you judge your brother? Why do you belittle your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me, every tongue will confess. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So there was judgment going on. Again, there was judgment between brethren and and brothers and sisters in Christ. Some were judging others for not observing certain days or eating certain foods. Some were judging others because they did observe days and did eat certain foods. I might have mixed that all up. But there was judgment going on, and Paul's addressing that. Um, He says, therefore, let us stop judging one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. I'm convinced and fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing, nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him, it is unclean. If nothing is unclean in itself, that means for those of, uh, those of you who have been under the teaching that Sunday worship is itself a sinful act. It's an idolatrous pagan thing to do. Well, Paul addresses that right here by saying nothing is unclean in itself. The day of Sunday and choosing to worship on the day of Sunday, that in itself is not unclean. What would make that unclean is what's going on in your heart or what's happening in your heart that is going to determine whether or not that action of worshiping on Sunday is unclean or not. So he says, if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him, it is unclean. So if you feel a conviction from the Bible, you look at it and think, man, I I feel like in order to honor God, I should observe Saturday. Well, do that. Paul's saying if you regard something, if you regard, um, um, you know, the action of not observing Sabbath, if, if, if in your heart before the Lord you feel like that's your conviction, that it's wrong to do that, it's wrong to not keep Sabbath uh, for yourself, then you should keep it. Um, because in your conscience, uh, you've, your conscience is telling you that it's, it's wrong to not do so. Um, so then he says if your brother is distressed by what you eat you are no longer acting in love do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died do not allow what you consider good then to be spoken of as evil This is really important so Paul says don't allow others if you're worshiping on Sunday and you're doing that to the Lord you're doing it out of reverence for Christ you're 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 worshiping him and you're you're setting apart that day as a special day to to maybe worship in church or to to uh, whatever that that looks like for you. You're setting that day apart. Say you're setting Sunday apart. And then somebody comes and says, well, that's evil. That's evil that you're doing that because that's, that's something that was established by pagans. And pagans worship on Sunday. And the right day to worship is Saturday. If you're doing that, if that's the judgment you're casting on other people, Paul says here, that's wrong. He says, don't judge your brother in that way because each should be convinced in his own mind. And he even goes as far as he says, don't allow what you consider good then to be spoken of as evil. So if you consider it good for you to worship on Sunday, to go to church on Sunday, then don't, don't be affected. Don't be moved by that. If somebody comes and says, well, that's evil, that's wrong. You're, you're sinning to do that. God, God is displeased that you're doing that. Paul says, don't, don't allow that to, he's not saying stop the other person from talking about it. He's just saying, don't, don't let yourself be impacted by that. Um, Don't, don't Take to heart what they're saying. If you are convinced that Sunday is a day you are you want to worship the Lord, do it. And I'd say the same goes for Saturday. And don't let somebody come along and say, well, that's evil for you to worship on Saturday because Sabbath has been changed to Sunday. Well, that's not true. Um, so here he says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For whoever serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what leads to peace and to mutual edification Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to let his eating be a stumbling block. It is better not to eat or drink, eat meat or drink wine, or to do anything to cause your brother to stumble. Keep your belief about such matters between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves, but the one who has doubts is condemned if he eats, because he is eating not from faith. And everything that is not from faith is sin." So we've talked about Romans 14 a lot. We've mentioned a lot. And I thought it was worth just reading through that whole chapter um, to kind of show the argumentation and the thought process of Paul. When you see in the New Testament, anytime something like Sabbath, Passover, observing days, or not observing days, whenever it's addressed in the New Testament by Paul or or anywhere in the New Testament, really, this is what you see. This presents a big problem for, for the viewpoint that you have to observe Saturday Sabbath because the the reason it presents a huge problem um, and not just Saturday Sabbath but Sunday as well I'm going to put that in in there too you don't have to keep either It's not about this day's uh, the day you have to keep as this regulation and if you don't you're sinning or uh, you know Saturday or Sunday is a day you have to keep the whole argument of Paul is that that's not the case and we shouldn't judge each other on whether or not, you're observing certain days or eating certain foods. It's not about that. What he's saying is that within Christ, if you're in Christ, within the new covenant, there's this freedom that we've been given that we're no longer under the rules, the regulations, and that system of the, the old covenant. Um, but rather, there's this freedom uh, that that really is bound up in this idea that um, it says each one should should be fully convinced in his own mind. So this is all about where your heart is before God. God's man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. Man again, looks at the outward appearance of, of the days they, they might see you observing or not observing, but God is looking at the heart of, of what's going on in your heart as, as you are observing those days or as you are not. That's what God's looking at. and That's why Paul says, if you want to attend church on Sunday, that's great. Do it. Uh, do it and do it in a way that worships the Lord. Do it out of reverence for the Lord. If you want to not do that, if you would, if you want to meet on a different day, that's fine too. And you should not judge each other based on the different days you might observe, and, and you shouldn't feel condemned based on the different days that you yourself observe. That's why it says again in verse sixteen: Don't allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. If you want to go attend a house church on Wednesday and maybe that's the day that you've set apart in your schedule to to meet and to worship and to be with other believers, don't let somebody come along and say, well, that's, you know, you're supposed to worship on Saturday. You're supposed to worship on Sunday, not, not Wednesday night. You know, that's evil and God's displeased with you. Don't let what you consider good be spoken of as evil. Continue to worship, and, and and find find a group, find a body of believers that are sincerely following Jesus, that understand the gospel, that we're saved by grace through faith alone, not not as a result of works, not as a result of rules and regulations. Find I would just encourage you to find a group of believers, whether it's a church, a specific church, or or whatever it is, whether it's just a group of people might maybe that you begin to gather in your house or somebody else's house. Um. And obviously right now in these times, that's, that's not something that can happen, but, but hopefully in the future that'll, um, uh, as the virus stuff goes away, hopefully that'll be able to happen more, um, in the near future. But the point of all this is say, if you, you do not have to go to church on Sunday, you don't have to go to church on Saturday, but you can, um, it's not about the day. It's about what's going on in your heart toward the Lord and do not judge each other, um, on, uh, about these matters. Don't judge each other, um, about different days or, you know, again, about food, um, whether you're eating certain food or not, all this, I think applies to that same, to all this concept of just the freedom that we have in Christ, um, and the rest he's provided for us, the freedom from the, you know, living before God on the basis of rules and regulations. So second, the second thing I want to talk about, um, and we'll try to get through this quickly is the idea of, um are you if you don't if you don't observe Saturday Sabbath um are you sinning against God so this is kind of a, addressing the question just of of Sabbath and what what this is all about and so um Sabbath again I think I may, might have mentioned this already but it's not about going to church um and, and it seems like in the WMSCOD that's kind of what they've turned it into, that Sabbath uh, is about going to Zion or, go, or going to meet uh, in, in the church. And um, now obviously there's more to it than that, but, but Sabbath is about rest. God established Sabbath as rest. And so let's look real quick at Colossians um, 2, starting at verse 16. Paul says, therefore, no one is to act as your judge, in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. So this is for you guys who, who, you know, you're asking about Sunday. We kind of address that. Should you or should you not do church on Sunday? And maybe now you're like, well, is it a sin to not observe Saturday Sabbath? That's kind of what the next thing I want to address. And so, again, he says, don't let anyone act as your judge in regard to a festival, a new moon or a Sabbath day. And here he goes, he says things, these things, which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ or the reality. I think other versions, here's a more accurate translation. Um, oops, I lost here. So let no one act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to, in respect to a festival, new moon or Sabbath, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Okay. That says the same thing. Other, I can't remember what translation it is, but basically the, the idea is that the substance is Christ. Um, Christ is, he's the reality. Okay. So when you see a shadow, you know that there's something, there's a reality. There's something that, that, that shadow is is not the reality. It's not the real thing. Um, there's actually something real that that shadow is being, uh, 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 produced from. So Sabbath, the, the, regulation of keeping saturday sabbath was a shadow it wasn't the reality it wasn't like that's the main thing god wants to focus on that actually was pointing to a deeper reality of jesus christ who is he's the reality of the sabbath i believe and and here here i'm just sharing what i believe again i'm not going to go and dive into all the arguments of the wmscog and try to explain all those or refute all those even at this point but just to explain kind of where i'm coming from. I believe that Christ, that Jesus is our Sabbath. So when God instituted Sabbath on Saturday, that was pointing to and foreshadowing a future reality that Jesus would bring of rest, that God would eventually bring in Christ a spiritual rest. Um, something, again, that's not limited to having on just Saturday, but something that's uh, all inclusive uh, of of all time throughout the week where every moment we can have rest in Christ by receiving him, believing upon him by faith, Jesus becomes our relationship to Jesus becomes our Sabbath rest. And so that's why I believe today under the new covenant, you're not sinning. You're not, you're not less lesser uh, spiritually for not observing Saturday Sabbath. The reason for that is because I believe Jesus is the reality of the Sabbath. So, so, I believe, you know, keeping the Sabbath holy is part of the Ten Commandments, right? I believe that's fulfilled today by those who Believe upon Jesus and rest in Him by faith. That God's again. This goes back to Romans fourteen. What Paul is revealing is that now, in order to obey the Sabbath, or uh, yeah, obey the command of the Sabbath, it's not about keeping it on a certain day. It's about keeping it always. That's I think what goes into the language of Jesus talking about abiding. He says, "Abide in Me," in in First John and in the Gospel of John. So throughout the week, we abide in Jesus by faith, by believing upon who He is, and turning to Him, uh, turning away from the world. And we receive who He is for us, rather than trying to be something for Him. That's the gospel. As we do that, we are can, we can continually stay within the Sabbath rest of Jesus. And I believe ultimately this, the the Sabbath points to a future reality when Christ will return, and our our bodies that are decayed with sin and are dying. Ultimately, He's going to redeem us. And so there's a greater you know the full reality of the Sabbath rest is coming in the future. And so there's what, what some call like a, a now but not yet sort of reality where we have rest now, but the fullness of that rest will come when Jesus returns and he makes everything in this world right. He writes all the wrongs and uh, he straightens things out and he brings the full fulfillment of rest. He brings the world back to a place of, of, of rest like it was um, in the the Garden of Eden. so So Sabbath, I think though, <clears throat> is not about uh, again, to, to finish that off, it's not about observing Saturday in particular. This goes back to Romans 14, where we shouldn't judge each other on that basis. So um, I think a possible counter argument, um, a, a possible counter argument that I think would be thrown against that. Um, people would say, "Well, Jesus and the apostles kept Sabbath." Okay, so this is a, a common argument that I guess we can address here. That that uh, is used by the WMSCOG to try to argue that we must keep Sabbath, and the reason for that is because we see by example the apostles kept Sabbath in the New Testament. So Acts seventeen two is one of the places that they'll use. So here's what it says: As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue. And on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Okay, so this is an argument they'll use. They'll say, see, look, Paul went to the synagogue um, on three Sabbath days. So, so these three Sabbath days, Paul was going into the synagogue. Uh, there you go. That that means we have to keep we have to keep Sabbath on Saturday because Paul did it. Um that that's a terrible argument, I would say. Um, and so let before I explain why, let me look at then the, another one. So Acts 18.4, it says every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. Okay. So let me just ask this question. Based on these scriptures, why was Paul going to the synagogue on Sabbath? Was he doing it because he was ob- obligated to observe Sabbath on Saturday and he felt that he had to do that in order to be saved? Um, no. He wasn't. Actually, the verse says the scriptures say he was going to what? To reason from the scriptures. Paul was going into the synagogue on the Sabbath, not as an act of being obligated to as a law or as a command. Um, he was going in there because that's when the Jews were in there. That's that's when he could reach the most people at the same time and reason with them from the scriptures and try to prove to them, um, uh, as it uh, explains in, in the next verse in verse 3. To explain and prove that that uh, Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead, um, and so basically Paul would go into the synagogue not as an, uh not because he was obligated to as a command, but because he wanted to preach the gospel. And on Sabbath, that was the day where he knew the most Jews would be in there at the same time, and so he could reach them uh, with the gospel. So that you can't use these verses. To the these are just this is a terrible. Um, if if you've been taught that these verses prove that you have to keep Saturday Sabbath, I just hope you would throw that argument out because it's just it's just bad. Uh, it's, it's bad theology. It's bad way. It's a terrible way of interpreting these scriptures. Um, and I think this would take us back to Romans fourteen. If you say that Acts. 17.2 uh, and Acts 18, the, those scriptures we just looked at, if you say those are proof, that's that's the New Testament's way of telling us we need to keep Sabbath too. Well, the problem with that is if that's true, is that Paul then contradicts that in Romans 14, where he tells us that actually you can't judge each other on whether or not you're observing certain days. Um, so if Paul, uh, or if you argue that Paul in Acts 17.2 and 18.4 um, is proof that we have to keep the Sabbath, um, then we have a contradiction here. Because here, um, every time, and in Colossians 2 that we just read, every time Paul actually addresses the question of whether you have to observe certain days or not, the answer is always no. The answer is always you don't have to. Every day, uh, you, you know, it's, it's dependent on where your heart is with the Lord, what your personal convictions are about it. And so, yeah, but, you know, even further than that, I think it's clear that these verses cannot and should not be used to, to say that, um, we have to keep Sabbath. So here's, here's an article from, uh, the gospelcoalition.org that I think is really good at explaining, um, this, this issue. So this, again, this is a common argument that we see Jesus, uh, going into the temple on, on Sabbath. We see Paul going into the temple on Sabbath in the scriptures we just read and groups like the WMSCOG will say, see, that means we have to keep the Sabbath. Um, so let me just read this Uh, Real quick, this is a response to that way of arguing. He says, Jesus's observance of the Sabbath does not constitute strong evidence for its continuation in the new covenant. His observance of the Sabbath makes uh, excellent sense for he lived under the Old Testament law. So why did Jesus keep the Sabbath in, in the gospels? Well, because he was still under the Old Testament law. He was, he was still keeping the law according to the Old Testament. The New Covenant had not come, where where uh, the rules and regulations had passed away. Um, it says he was born under the law, as Paul says in Galatians four four. On the other hand, a careful reading of the gospel accounts intimates uh, that the Sabbath uh, will not continue to play a significant role. Jesus proclaims as the Son of Man that he is the Lord even of the Sabbath, and so that's Mark two twenty eight. Jesus says that he's Lord of the Sabbath, so the Sabbath does not rule over him, but he, Jesus, rules over the Sabbath. So the Sabbath, he he says, you know, is not, um, or man was not made for the Sabbath to serve the Sabbath, but but the Sabbath was made for man for our benefit. And I think the WMSCOG kind of switches that upside down. Um, So he says, he is the new David, the Messiah to whom the Sabbath and all the old Testament scriptures point. And so we know that too. That's exactly what we're saying in Colossians two, that, that the old Testament, uh, the, these rules and regulations were shadows pointing to the reality, which was Christ. Um, and I know the WMSCOG would agree to a certain extent on, on some of these things, but I think their application, uh, goes off the road. So, he says indeed Jesus even claimed in John 5:17 that he like his father works on the sabbath working on the sabbath of course is what the old testament prohibits but Jesus claimed that he must work on the sabbath since he is equal with god it is interesting to consider here the standpoint of the ruler of the synagogue in Luke 13:10-17 t- He argued that Jesus should heal on the other six days of the week and not on the Sabbath. So you remember that story where um, the the ruler was was saying Jesus shouldn't heal on the Sabbath, but if you're going to heal, do it on another day. Um, And so he says on one level, this advice seems quite reasonable, especially if the strict views of the Sabbath that were common in Judaism were correct. What is striking, though, is that Jesus deliberately healed on the Sabbath. Healing is what he ought to do on the Sabbath day, is what he says in Luke 13, 16. It seems that he did so to demonstrate his superiority to the Sabbath and to hint that it is not in force forever. There may be suggestion in Luke 4, 16 through 21 that Jesus fulfills the Jubilee of the Old Testament. Um, And so you can look more into that, Luke 4, 16, 21 and Leviticus 25. Um, the rest and the joy anticipated in the Jubilee is fulfilled in him, and hence the rest and feasting of the Sabbath find their climax in Jesus. So that, that really well communicates in words better than I could use what I f- feel personally convicted about the Sabbath and why I don't feel a personal conviction that, that I must set apart every Saturday as holy as if it's above other days. My personal conviction is is kind of what he's alluding to here is that every day is holy unto the Lord. Every day I should observe Sabbath, if you want to put it that way, through faith in Jesus and looking to Him as the reality of all the Old Testament um, rules and regulations and and uh, holy days. But with that, I would say if if you want, you know, we we uh, we have friends like like Tim who was in the last couple of videos who who has a conviction to observe these whole, these days and set them apart. I think that's awesome. Like, and like, like we talked about, he does that not as an action to earn his salvation. He doesn't do it because he feels obligated to. He does it out of worship for something. He does so. I think a good way we put it is that he's not observing Sabbath and Passover and all these things in order to get something from God that he doesn't yet have. Rather, he's doing it because of what he already has from God. So observance of Sabbath and Passover and all these things is an action by which he worships and calls to mind. He, he calls to mind what God has already done for him in Christ, and he worships him. And these things, he he utilizes Sabbath uh, as observance and Passover observance and things like this to help him uh, call to mind the realities of what Jesus has done. And I think this is great. And, and honestly, I think at one point Jesse uh, observed Passover and, and, and things with Tim. Um, and I would love to do that at some point. You know, Tim, if you watch this, maybe we can do that sometime together. Um, because I think, yeah, I think there's benefit in that. I think there's benefit in, in observing those things in different ways and different times and helping to call to mind and bring into focus uh, the truth of the gospel and the fulfillment of Jesus in all these things. And so. So, I'm just going to continue reading, uh, try to get through some of this in this article because this guy says a lot of good things I think that I want to pull out. Um, so, he says, We would expect the Sabbath to no longer be in force since it was the covenant sign of the Mosaic covenant. And as I've argued elsewhere in this book, it is so it looks like this, this article is actually maybe an excerpt from a book. Um, so, he says, It is clear that believers are no longer under the Sinai covenant. Therefore, they are no longer bound by the sign of the covenant either. So we're no longer under the old covenant, the, the covenant that was brought by Moses. Um, the Sabbath as a covenant sign celebrated Israel's deliverance from Egypt, but the Exodus points forward, according to New Testament writers, to redemption in Christ. Believers in Christ were not freed from Egypt, and hence the covenant sign of Israel does not apply to them. Basically saying that the covenant sign of observing Saturday Sabbath doesn't apply to us today. Um, It is clear in Paul's letters that the Sabbath is not binding upon believers. In Colossians, Paul identifies the Sabbath as a shadow along with the requirements regarding foods, festivals, and the new moon. So we already read that in Colossians 2, 16 through 17 where he says Sabbath observance is a shadow of the reality that's now come in Christ. And so you have that reality apart from observing and focusing in on the shadow. And that's what he's dealing with in Colossians 2, where there are people coming, they were judging other believers for not observing Sabbath. And I think that in the context, you see that was in some form being uh, taking place. There were there was a judgment being cast upon other believers that they weren't observing Sabbath, or, um, or maybe some were judging others for observing Sabbath. And that this this sort of issue in the church is what led, I think, to Paul writing Acts 14 that we just read that deals with all of that. So he goes on and he says, the Sabbath, in other words, points to Christ and is fulfilled in him. The word for shadow, skia, that Paul uses to describe the Sabbath is the same term the author, oops, just lost my place. The word for shadow, skia, that Paul uses to describe the Sabbath is the same term the author of Hebrews used to describe Old Testament sacrifices, shadow. So in the Old Old Testament um, or in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews deals with the fact that uh, the believers were trying to revert back to observing um, sacrifices and, and probably, you know, observing days and months and seasons and years like Paul deals with in Galatians. Um, He uses the same word shadow. He says that the the sacrifices were shadows. Um, So the law is only a shadow uh, of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities. That's Hebrews 10.1. The argument is remarkably similar to what we see in Colossians. Both contrast elements of the law as a shadow with the substance. Uh, And so he's referring back to Colossians 2.17 or the form. Um, which is, it looks like Hebrews 10 one's found in Christ. Paul does not denigrate the Sabbath. He salutes its place in salvation history for like the old Testament sacrifices, though not in precisely the same way, it prepared the way for Christ. I know of no one who thinks old Testament sacrifices should be instituted today. And when we compare what Paul says about the Sabbath with such, with such sacrifices, it seems right to conclude that he thinks the Sabbath is no longer binding. So when Paul deals with things like sacred food, whether certain foods uh, and the regulations on, in the Old Testament, if those were still binding, he he always says no, and he refers to those as shadows. When he refers to the uh, when the when the New Testament, I want not just Paul, but when the New Testament refers to uh, things like the sacrifices, too. Just whether it's the food regulations or whether it's the sacrifices and, and the the laws about. Uh, sacrifices in the Old Testament. He refers to those also as shadows. And in the same way, and in the same context, he refers to Sabbath day as a shadow. So I think what he's arguing here is that's good evidence that that he thinks the Sabbath on Saturday is, that Paul thinks Sabbath on Saturday and the New Testament thinks it's no longer binding. And I completely agree with that. Uh, some argue, however, that Sabbath is, and Colossians 2.16 does not refer to the weekly Sabbaths, but only to sabbatical years. Um, I don't know if this would apply to the WMSCOG, but I know they would apply. I think their argument would be, well, Paul was just dealing in Colossians 2 with uh, the old covenant way of keeping Sabbath. But, but where we are, he wasn't dealing with uh, the new covenant Sabbath, which we are supposed to keep, which I don't think that argument works because Paul doesn't specify that. He never specifies that there's a new covenant Sabbath that we must keep. Whenever he refers to the Sabbath, it's always in the context of him saying, you don't have to keep it and don't judge others for not keeping it or for keeping it. So he goes on, he says, but this is a rather desperate expedient for the most prominent day in the Jewish calendar was the weekly Sabbath. Uh, We know from sources that it was the observance of the weekly Sabbath that attracted the attention of Gentiles. Um, So basically what he's going on to argue is that Colossians 2 is referencing to Saturday Sabbath and not something else. Uh, that's the primary reference. So I'm I'm almost done with this article here. I just want to point out a few more things uh, uh, before we um, wrap up. So he says, Another crucial text on the Sabbath is Romans 14, 5. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. So this is, we already read this, and, and he's kind of reconfirming everything we just said. So in Romans 14, 1 through 15, uh, or fourteen one through fifteen six, Paul mainly discusses food that some, almost certainly those influenced by Old Testament food laws, think is defiled. Paul clearly contrasts, or clearly teaches in contrast to Leviticus 11, 1 through forty four and Deuteronomy fourteen three through twenty one, that all foods are clean. So, since a new era of redemptive history has dawned, uh, Paul, in other words, Paul sides theologically with the strong in the argument, believing that all foods are clean. So he brought up. Romans 15 in that article. And so I just wanted to pull out something really quick that really connects to Romans 14. Obviously, and I think brings clarity about this. So again, we're, we're asking the question and, and helping you guys who are, have come out of this group and you're kind of wondering, is it sinful to not keep Sabbath? Am I going to be sinning if I don't keep Sabbath on Saturday? Should you or should you not still do that? So he says, we who are strong ought to bear with the shortcomings of the week and not to please ourselves. For each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. And so when Paul is dealing with the issue of those who feel obligated or feel conviction that they that certain days are holier or, or certain foods are unclean and so they shouldn't eat them, Paul actually references those who feel those convictions as the weak. He says that those are actually the ones who have the weaker faith and the weaker conscience. He's not saying that as an insult. He's just saying that in their understanding, their spiritual understanding, it's a sign of immaturity actually to view certain days and certain foods as, as better and more holy and and as something that is required a requirement for them. Um, he's saying that actually the strong, he refers to the strong and he says, those who are strong, um, are those who, who have the understanding and the knowledge that every day is alike and, and, and all foods are clean. Um, and, and, God isn't looking at whether or not we're we're eating or not eating certain foods or observing or not observing certain days. That's not something he's focused in on as if those outward actions uh, determine our standing and position before him. And those who understand that, Paul actually references and defines as those who are strong. So I believe those of you coming out, God would want you to become strong in your thinking, in your maturity of, of understanding who he is. By understanding that God is not, uh, he, He's not obligating any of us. He, it's not a law that we must keep to observe Sabbath on Saturday. You're not sinning to not do that. As Paul says, each one should determine in his own mind um, what is what what day he wants to set apart for uh, the Lord. And so, as we looked at in Acts 17:2 and Acts 18 uh, 4, when we see. Paul observing Sabbath, um, in the, in the, the new Testament, when we see Jesus observing Sabbath, those are not good proofs or good evidences that, that, therefore we should conclude our commands that we must keep Sabbath. Um, that's just, you, you can't use those descriptions of things that Paul did as prescriptions for what we must do. um, the, uh, a big reason and proof to defend that and back that up is the fact that every time that Paul actually addresses whether or not you must observe a certain day over another, like we've looked at in Romans 14, the answer is always no. Colossians 2, he, he's telling people don't judge each other for whether or not you keep Sabbath or not. And so if you feel hung up, though, on that, on whether, you know, whether are you sinning? Are you not keeping God's commands? If you don't, um, if you don't observe Sabbath on Saturday, I would just encourage you ask the question, what are the commands of Christ as laid out in, in the Bible? What does he actually command? Is there a place where I'm actually commanded to keep Saturday Sabbath for salvation or for, or to be in a right standing with God? I would point you to first John three twenty three, which says, and this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. And I think in Paul's mind, when he wrote Romans 14, and he addressed the issue of Sabbath and Passover, this is, um, or or Sabbath observance, or, or whether or not you should observe different days, this sort of ideology was in his mind, where he knew the commandments of God, what really counts is loving God, believing in Jesus Christ. If you're believing in him by faith, it's going to naturally produce love in your heart for him. And that's going to result in love for one another. It's going to result in love for others. These are the commandments. Okay. So when Sabbath is addressed, again, Paul in in every context where, where uh, Sabbath keeping or observing one day over the other is addressed, Paul always says you don't have to. It's it's not a it's not a command. And when we see the Bible, the New Testament lay out what the commands are, it's always things like this. This is his command. Believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ. Love one, another. One, love one another as he has commanded us. So this is an encouragement to you who have left the group. What do you need to do now? Where do you need to go? Do you need to find a certain church? And I, I hope we've kind of answered some of these questions for you with this. Um, I didn't have time to get into things like Easter and Christmas, so I'll probably maybe do that in a separate video. Um, but I just want to encourage you in saying that I hope you see the testimony of the scriptures that God is not going to judge you. He's not going to condemn you. Your relationship with him, your standing before him is not dependent on whether you find the right organization or denomination. It's not dependent on whether you you're worshiping on Sunday or Saturday or Wednesday. I hope you're seeing the freedom that we have under the new covenant in Jesus that it's not about, again, I go back to the original, that, that first quote that, um, it's not about limiting our worship to any particular day of the week. Our worship can be every day. So we are to rest in the Lord every day. We are to worship the Lord every day. That's my conviction. Um, I know there's so, those that would disagree and say I'm, you know, a heretic and, and, uh, the, the WMSCOG will jump all over this. I'm already predicting that and that's okay. Um, we may, might address some of those things later, but, um, I just, yeah, I hope you're encouraged. and I hope you find some direction. Feel free to, Reach out to us further for clarifying questions, those of you who are leaving the group. Um, um, my ending encouragement, again, would just be to look at places like 1 John 3.23. When you're struggling, when you're confused about what does God want me to do right now? What is his will? Uh, look at places like 1 John 3.23. Go back to places like, um, let me find it here. John 6, the the, the scripture that we bring up often. Um, so John 628 and 27. So when they ask what must we do to do the works of God, uh, that's that's what I think that summarizes what many of the emails we're getting. Of those of you who have you've left the group and you're wondering, what do I do now? How do I find God now? How do I know his will now? Do I do Sabbath? Do I do Sunday? You're basically asking this question. You're saying to Jesus, (laughs) you're saying you're not not Jesus you're asking me but I think ultimately you're wanting the answer from Jesus and you're saying what must I be doing right now to do the works that God requires and here's his answer the, the work of God this is what God requires is this to believe in the one he has sent this takes us back to the, back to first John three twenty three, and this is his command to believe in the name of the son Jesus Christ and to love one another as he commanded us so if you want to know what to do right now Here's the encouragement. Here's the focus I would say to have. Love God and love others. Focus on that one thing. When you focus on that, the other things will fall in place. The secondary issues will fall in place. God will, I think God will provide and lead you to the people, the the group he wants you to join to, the church he might want you to begin to attend. And he'll set up opportunities, even, even maybe in your schedule where it's like, this day works better to worship and set apart than this day. Um, and so, whatever that looks like for you, whatever God convicts you of, I would say do that, and don't feel feel freedom from the obligation that it's about. That this is all about figuring out the the right day, the, the right the right organization, the right denomination. That's that's not the issue here. Love God, love your neighbor, focus in on that, and then it'll be a process. You can you can figure the other things out as you go. Um, and so, I hope I hope that's helpful. I hope that's encouraging. Um, I would tell you guys to again just remind you that you can listen to all this on a podcast version you can find answering the wms CRG on spotify on uh, apple podcast google podcast and and if you're listening to the podcast forum you can find uh video versions of all these on our youtube channel great light studios and so yeah, be blessed. Hope you guys are all staying safe and healthy and protected. And I hope your minds find peace and rest in Jesus um, in the midst of these, what are difficult times for many people. Um, and so thanks for listening.